I ended up where I wanted to be. And I had that, that role flying helicopters for a few years. At the time, you know, it was mid twenties. It was the kind of the pinnacle of my accomplishment, made it through another deployment. When we got back, that's kind of where it all, uh, where it all ultimately unraveled. Welcome back to another episode of Changing Course. I am your host, Nate Ledger. In 2004, during the height of the Iraq invasion, Anthony Pringle officially kicked off his military career in an enlisted combat arms role, one of those guys on the ground. Go grab a gun and run. But his path to the army wasn't exactly straightforward. We recently joked that the only reason that I ended up in the, in the army was because the Air Force wouldn't have me and I didn't know the Coast Guard existed. That, that's actually partially true. A huge portion of my life has always been in aviation. I started flying planes when I was 14, and I've kind of been eyes to the sky ever since. The running joke back then was, you know, I, I had to have my mom drive me to the, the airport at 16 years old so I could fly an airplane by myself. So it's always been where my interests and passion lie and where I, you know, where I saw myself. With that being where I wanted to go, you know, the logical progression was to, to aim for the Air Force, and that's what I did. Logical progression or not, things don't always go as planned. And it turned out Anthony wasn't a fit for the Air Force Academy. He'll suggest he should have paid closer attention in high school. So he quickly pivoted to the next best thing, the Air Force ROTC. But it wasn't long until ultimately it was decided from a medical perspective that he wasn't going to be an Air Force pilot. And just like that, his boyhood dream was shattered. That hit me really hard. In fact, it hit me so hard that, you know, I was in college at the time that I ended up uh, dropping out of college and I did the next best thing, which was to completely abandon those plans and uh, enlist in a combat arms role to get sent to the, uh, the front lines. And that's where I ended up. Life had different plans, so I rolled with them. And uh, the, the first kind of thing that really worked out as a result of that is, um, you know, despite my efforts to, to go the combat arms route, try to be a guy on the ground, um, I was assigned to a uh, deploying aviation unit. And that one uh, flew UH-60 Blackhawks, um, and uh, that first deployment, I ended up as a uh, as a door gunner, um, and I was actually dropping off guys into LZs that were the same uh, same career uh, title that I held at the time. And there was always the conversation between us, like, "Man, how'd you end up here?" And I was like, "I wasn't trying to be here; it just kind of worked out that way." But that that is what got me uh, my foot in the door uh, to ultimately end up uh, flying for the military, and I did that that goal that I set out to accomplish in a kind of roundabout way. I got there anyways. I ended up where I wanted to be. I had that that role flying helicopters for a few years. At the time, you know, it was mid twenties. It was the kind of the pinnacle of my accomplishment. Made it through another deployment. When we got back, that's kind of where it all uh, where it all ultimately unraveled. When I got back from that second deployment, you know, my, my headspace that I was in, I, I think, was probably actually a big contributing factor to to ultimately what um, you know what what kind of changed my life. So if you're comfortable with it, let's hear it. Yeah, certainly. So a few months only after uh, we'd gotten back from my second deployment, uh, I was probably, we'll call it 28 um, at the time. Uh, so I was, I was back from Iraq from the second time, helicopter pilot. You know, I was on top of the world. Nothing could touch me. And I think I was kind of living, living life pretty fast and loose. 
you just kind of you were young and dumb and had that feeling of invincibility. And um, even more than that, I thought I had it all figured out, right? At that point in time in my life, I'd, I'd overcome multiple times being told no. You know, the, the military tried to tell me that, you know, my plans weren't going to work and I wasn't going to fly for him. And uh, I made it happen anyways. Uh, just kept going. I think, well, the, you know, the attitudes I had served me well in accomplishing the mission, you know, bringing everyone home safely. It's it's that attitude, that type A, you know, personality. It's all of those things you develop mentally to ensure that you and your guys get yourself home uh, successfully. And again, it doesn't matter what side of the world you're on to do it. I think we all kind of held that attitude. But I think that attitude in different environments, especially once you're back home and, and everything's safe again, it can be dangerous. Just a couple months after uh, making it back, my wife and I, she was active duty as well. We were deployed together. Those were interesting times. <laughs> we're still married today, so it, it, it made us stronger. We took a couple days off to go on a just a long vacation out to Colorado Springs. We were stationed in Fort Riley, Kansas at the time. And since we got back, we'd gotten uh, me and uh, a couple of guys I flew with and just kind of our, our little network there. We'd all gotten really big into uh, to mountain biking. In fact, we spent a lot of our time deployed, you know, researching the bike we were going to buy. And we got back and I got this uh, this brand new dual suspension 29er top line bike thing was awesome. Had never really mountain biked ever in my life, um, but I'd flown helicopters. So what's the challenge here? <laughs> it's what could go wrong, right? Exactly. Took it out to the biggest, baddest mountains in uh, in America, because <laughs> why not? Yeah, so got to Colorado Springs and, and pulled them off the roof and uh, hit the trails. I was bombing down. Just really just got got ahead of myself, kind of bit off more than I could chew. And before I knew it, you know, I was basically flying over the handlebars. Time slowed down, swan dived straight into the ground into my head and kind of rolled over onto my back. The next thing I knew, I was just, you know, I was on my back looking up. Uh, Ashley, she was uh, right behind me on the trail and she rolled up. And that's that's the first thing I remember her, you know, seeing was was her kind of standing above me. Did you hit a, I mean, what happened? Did you hit yeah. a rock? Did you miss a, like what, how'd you flip over? It, it, I mean, it was, yeah, it was, it was just too much, too fast. Uh, kind of front wheel got binded, flipped. Um, it, you know, looking back, it was just, um, it, yeah, split second, um, just kind of bombing down the wrong trail, wrong place, wrong time. And, and up until that point in my life, uh, you know, I'd, I'd been through two, two wars. I was never in the wrong place at the right time. I always, I was always able to get myself out of those situations. And, um, this is that one silly time that, um, yeah, just bit me. And you were conscious and breathing after this crash. I was, yeah. I never lost consciousness. We'd all kind of been through, you know, like at least a basic medical training going through the military. So I'm kind of laying there and I'm kind of doing my self-assessment and I'm just, you know, I know I landed on my head, of course, wearing a helmet. And we ultimately found that that thing was split in half. So I start self-assessing, you know, kind of wiggling fingers and toes, making sure everything's still working. I'm like, all right, we're good here. Four range of motion of, you know, all the, all the parts and pieces. So I stand up, go to shake it off. I'm like, I think, think it's, think it's going to be all right. Just kind of a little banged up. And we're like, all right, you know, let's just, let's call it a day. Let's grab the bike. So we, uh, we, we pack it up. We, we make it down the trailhead. We're, we're pushing them along and we get to the car. And, uh, this was of course a few minutes later. So I go, go to pick this bike up. And like I said, it was big, uh, thing probably weighed, I don't know, shit, probably 35, 40 pounds. But I go to pick it up over my head and put it on the roof rack. And, uh, as I do that, I just kind of start seeing stars. I'm like, man, this is, this is pretty uncomfortable. So I put it back down. I'm like, I think I'm going to need you to get that up there. So she does, she loads it up. Probably be better off if you drove too. She does that. She hops in. 
So she's driving. And as we're going down the road, I'm like, you gotta, you gotta stop. You gotta pull over. I, the, 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 the vision was narrowing. And ultimately she ends up, uh, calling an ambulance. Um, they come, uh, they do the roadside assessment, uh, stick the neck brace on and I'm getting loaded up into a stretcher. I, I think the next thing I remember is essentially kind of waking up in the hospital and they were, uh, they were starting to load up the morphine. So this crash caused some serious damage then. What exactly happened? Would you, uh, what was the diagnosis? They ran me through the CAT scans. Ultimately, what they determined was that I'd fractured my, uh, my C1 vertebrae. It's the, the, the topmost one, uh, like closest to your, basically closest to your, uh, your skull. Um, I fractured that in, uh, it was either two or three different places. Jeez. You're in the hospital for how long? I want to say I was probably in the hospital for at least, probably at least two to three weeks uh, in the ICU. And I was fortunate enough, the way it worked out, I remember enough that it, it wasn't a break. That, and it was, I mean, it was by, by centimeters, the margins, but it wasn't a, a break that required surgery. So they were able to kind of brace me up from, from waist to neck and um, kind of stabilize me in place and just wait it out. I mean, did you almost die in the, I mean, uh, breaking your neck is pretty. Yeah, no, I mean, by all accounts, I should have. But they said of my injury, it was one of the few instances where they'd ever seen someone have an injury like that and come out as unscathed as I did. I mean, I certainly have uh, some physical limitations. Uh, range of motion has decreased. I think the one thing I think they unfortunately gloss over the most is there's there's such a hyper focus on the um, on the physical elements that the the mental health elements are completely neglected. For me, you know, the, the physical, those challenges indoor and you get the, the constant reminders, whether it's pain or, or range of motion, anything like that. But I think it's more the, the mental health pieces that kind of those those are the bigger thorn in the side that you still kind of have to keep overcoming on a daily basis. Sometimes, you know, you think physical pain is easier to get over because like, all right, you heal or, you know, your, your leg's not broken anymore. Everything goes away and boom, you don't you don't feel that pain anymore. It's kind of gone. But in reality, that pain that you suffered kind of shifted you out of the military. It, it get, you know what I mean? There, there's still that lingering headache or there's still that lingering stuff. Same with emotional pain. I'm actually glad you touched on that because you, I mean, you're, you're dialing into something that is, is ultimately the core of it. And it's, it's probably, it's probably the biggest thing um, that goes most inc unconsidered. Um, and, and I would say that with, with a, an injury like that, there's going to be, you know, some residual, but what I do feel the most, you know, 10 plus years later, that little nagging pain is that little nagging physical pain that has since healed is it's the spark that drives it back up sure. into thinking about it um, and to really still reeling a lot of times with those emotions and, and throwing yourself back into those experiences and, um, you know, trying to reconcile, you know, who am I today versus who I was, you know, forcing you to to relive it um but also trying to challenge yourself to relive it in a positive way and when you get taken back there in time sometimes even against your will um it's it's almost a constant uh reconciliation to say you know did did i do um with that course correction what what i'd hoped to um have i have you found what your I purpose wanted to and um that's what i think exactly. i think that's um, what it ultimately is i think that you are pushed in certain ways without yeah. your control specifically because you may not be on the right path for what you were put here to do. I, I think you're, you're absolutely right. And, and when you're in the heat of it, it's very easy to say, you know, to sit there and to do the, why me, you know, how I never saw this coming. How, how could I be the one that has to deal with this? You know, I had this perfect plan in place and everything was going so well. Um, and the reality of it is, you know, with the benefit of hindsight, 
um, it's it's really challenging, you know, especially when you think things are going well to see things for how good they could have been or, or ultimately will be. Um, well, so I guess and it's easy to say now looking back. But, um, yeah, I mean, my my challenge to, to potentially others who are going through a hardship is is to to recognize the value of perseverance and, and um, a little bit of faith and trust that if, if you can um, if you can bring yourself through those moments um, oftentimes there's there's something better waiting on the other side so and here's the funny thing right so like i said this was in colorado springs spent two to three weeks in the, the hospital there in the icu and ultimately they discharged me but they're like you can't you're not stable enough to make the drive home they're like you have to stay local so still being active duty at the time uh you know we had to work with my unit back home and they're like all right we got you set up we're sending you to the uh you're gonna love this. We're sending you to the Air Force Academy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I took the roundabout way, um, but I did make it to the academy, just not under the circumstances I was planning on. And, and looking back, I'd say life has a funny way, you know, regardless of what you believe. I, I think when I look back, I've, I've developed a lot of different, uh, you know, feelings and opinions and, and thoughts on life um, in hindsight. But I think if all you do is endure, if all you do is just stick it out for regardless of your circumstances for one more day, I think ultimately you find you end up in a place that's, if it's not where you meant to be, it's probably going to be all right. All sometimes we can do is keep going one more day. What other choice do you have? Right? Right. Don't quit. Don't quit. Now that's easier said than done. Uh, I know some people in my life that are grieving really hard and they're at currently their position in life is at rock bottom. It's easy for you to say that now because you're recovered. But I'm sure when you were laying in that hospital and you got the news, I'm sure you got the news from the army that what you're medically, were you medically discharged? It was a medical discharge. Yep. That's, that's what ended up happening. It was, that was probably some of the hardest news I'd, I'd gotten. I think actually that, that period of time in my life, even more so than the accident, that, that ultimate isolation from everything that I'd known and loved is, is what I have spent a good portion of my life since then really actually kind of struggling with and really kind of working through. And I think it's okay to say that that was the worst news that you got in your life. I mean, to compare stories to other people, sure, as a society, we can kind of rank them and say, well, yeah, I didn't, nobody died or and you didn't die, but, but we're, we're all living our own paths in this matrix. We always judge each other, but then we go home and we have our private lives that nobody knows about. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely know. And, and and that's where I try to keep in perspective. That's it, it really is all relative. And that's where, you know, I kind of even caught myself there and saying and and I, I consider myself fortunate in hindsight to look back and say, you know, if, if that truly was the hardest day I've ever had. And it is. It's easier to say that now. For me, that was uh, that was one of the most challenging things that I've, I've since had to deal with. But it's it is all relative. And I think to your point, I always certainly more so now for having had that experience. But really try to keep it in perspective and make sure I'm providing kind of that that latitude and that grace to others because you really don't know. I mean, you never know what other people are dealing with. We're all battling some sort of demon and we're all trying to figure this whole life thing out. Yeah, it's real easy to you know judge when you're having a bad day and someone crosses you the wrong way. Everybody's kind of going through their thing and there's, there's no harm in, in giving people the space they need. There's no blueprint. I think you as a human being should be allowed that latitude to deal with whatever it is in your life. Yeah, I probably didn't have that level of uh, insight or maturity when I was younger. Um, but I, I think as time goes on, especially, and there's a lot of things that change that, whether it's hard experiences or having kids and kind of helping them through their struggles. Um, 
but there there really is a, a lot of value in just in, in giving people the, the time and space and even help they need uh, to get to where they need to be too. What year did you uh, get discharged? So I was discharged in 2013. I tell the story like it was yesterday, but in reality, it's been 10 years since. But you're still flying. Oh, yeah. Yeah. In fact, yeah. that's a huge source of relief for me. It, it's one of the one of the few places I can one of the few things I can do and one of the few places I can go um, where I can really kind of truly get away and, you know, get a good uh, get a good reset. But it gets the job done. It gets me off the ground. That's that's really all it's about. Maybe it's not a Blackhawk in the military doing some badass shit overseas, but you're still happy and satisfied because you're in the air and your eyes are still to the sky. Are you angry with what happened? I was at the time. Um, I was at the time. I mean, I, I would never wish to go through that again, but today I'm in a much happier place now with my life and what I've created there with my family, with everything, um, than I think I would have been had I been able to continue to basically pursue my plans uninhibited. And I think that's also kind of the important thing, at least for me, is that when we get hit with course corrections, um, I think we tend to take them personally. And in the moment, it would make sense, right? You've got this grand plan. You know who you are and what you want to do and where you want to be. And life sideswipes you and you never see it coming. You know, I could probably end the story here. I don't know, maybe it's fortuitous, but I think the the times that we've spent kind of talking about even setting this this episode up, you kind of caught me for this, this conversation at what I would say is probably a, a relatively low point um, in life um, since since that injury. Even since that injury, I, I think with where I am at, certainly not now, um, but even maybe two months ago in life, um, was probably one of the lower instances I've had. You, know, you talk about rock bottom. Um, I I would say that I've, I might have even found it again uh, recently. And and in that, coming out of that with, um, with a broken hand um, and the circumstances that led to it, I think there again, for me, there's been a lot of time. Uh, in a very relatively short amount of, of, of time, you know, even over the course of the past couple of weeks, um, to really have some good self-reflection. Um, and for that, for that injury, for that experience to be um, a catalyst uh, that throws me again into a, you know, a course change into a better direction. Well, man, I appreciate, I'm really humbled that you said yes to tell your story. Again, I'm, it's a very vulnerable show and I, I get people to open up about some dark times, but my goal is to remind everybody that you're not alone. We're all in this together and we're all trying to do it our own way. And yeah. And I'd say the best thing that I could say is, is really just, um, you know, give, give others, uh, the grace that they deserve, realize we're all going through this together. Um, and most importantly, and, and this is the thing that I've probably struggled with the, the longest amount of time is, is give yourself, give yourself the grace. I think oftentimes we find ourselves treating others better than we treat ourselves. Um, and that's, that's been a big thing, uh, coming out of all this for me is that there's, just make sure you're taking care of yourself too. Just as a pilot navigates turbulence and adverse conditions, we too face challenges that test our resilience, be it physical pain that may knock us to the ground or the emotional pain that can constantly remind us just how far we had once fallen, even after we have found our footing again. Years can pass, decades, but the scars remind us. The conflict, confusion, disturbance, instability we once felt in our bones, though it's long gone, it can stay with us. But like a pilot, we press on. 
We stick to the plan even when it deviates, even when it's hard to recognize or when it's lost altogether. We press on, we iterate, we evolve, with or without the pain, because we have to. The weather may vary and the path may look different, but the mission remains the same. And somewhere, maybe it's not always obvious, but it's right there in front of us. I'm your host, Nate Ledger, and I want to thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Changing Course Podcast. If you want to follow the Changing Course journey, please visit www.changingcourse.com or check me out on Instagram at change.in.course. We're accepting donations and the proceeds pay for the production of this series. And for details on how to donate, check the show notes. The Changing Course Podcast is produced by Nonsensible Productions. Yeah, and I, I mean, just from my limited, I was, don't forget, I was a sailor, but, uh,